Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Rhino Podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Interviews with your favorite artists and bands about the songs and albums you love. Here's your host, Rich Mahan. On this episode of the Rhino Podcast, our guest is producer and musician Christian Nesmith, here to talk about his work on the new Mickey Dolan's record, Dolan Sings Nesmith. gentlemen welcome back to the rhino podcast as always we have our friend john hughes with us john how are you today i'm good rich what's going on man uh you know loving life enjoying it i'm visiting los angeles this week so it's lovely and sunny out and uh i can't wait to eat some burritos oh that's awesome i'm glad you're here well we got plenty going on over at rhino.com in fact uh, rhino is going to expand its celebration of black music during black music month in June with a series of high-profile vinyl, CD, and digital releases all month long, and even into July. Let's call it Black Music Months, plural. Yeah, <laughs> it inc- yeah. It includes definitive albums from Charles Mingus, Curtis Mayfield, Milt Jackson and Ray Charles, Zapp and Roger, The Drifters, and of course, The Time, along with previously unreleased music from Miles Davis and Roberta Flack. Now, these artists paved the musical highways for generations to come. They led to cultural, social, and political revolutions that still ring true in 2021. You can read about and order all this stuff on rhino.com. A lot of great titles in there. Yes, for sure. And you know what? Here's another one that is just right in that rhino DNA, and that is Chicago at Carnegie Hall Complete. Yeah, Chicago revisits its best-selling live album with a, strap yourself in, 16-CD deluxe set. Whoa! (laughs) It features all eight shows from its historic 1971 Carnegie Hall concert series, plus replicas of three posters included in the original, excerpts from the concert program, and a lot more. Chicago founding member and trumpeter Lee Laughlin and engineer Tim Jessup spent nearly a year going through the 40 concert tapes at Laughlin's new studio in Arizona, and they remastered each concert. That hard work has paid off with eight fantastic-sounding shows. Now, this pre-order is live. It's only on Rhino.com, not anywhere else, not at your local store, not at Amazon, only at Rhino.com, and it ships on July 16th. Yeah, this is prime era Chicago. This is it. This is the original lineup. You've got Terry Kath on guitar, all these guys really at the height of their powers. And I can't wait to hear the sonic differences that it made remastering this set. You know, we always take care with Chicago and work with the band really closely. So these Chicago releases just sound amazing. Yeah, fantastic. 
Well, on this episode of the Rhino Podcast, we've got a bit of a special treat for you. John sat down with musician and producer Christian Nesmith, who is here on the podcast to talk about his work on the new Mickey Dolan's record, Dolan's Sings Nesmith, which is really, really cool. Yeah, Christian doesn't get enough credit. Christian is a fantastic musician. He is an impeccable producer and mixer. He also worked on the Mike and Mickey show live record from last year. And you can really tell his work. He produced his dad's track on the monkey's Christmas party record. He helped mix and arrange birth of an accidental hipster from good times. So don't sleep on Christian Nesmith. Great song. Yeah. That's such a great song. Well, one thing that, you know, listening to this album, I love the arrangements. I love the way he produced it. It's kind of psychedelic at times. I really dig that. But I've got to say, the thing that struck me the most, Mickey's voice sounds fantastic on this record. Yeah, we talk about that. We talk about approaching some of these iconic songs and and reimagining them so it wasn't just, you know, a night at the karaoke bar. It's a great chat with Christian, and it's only part one of this deep dive into this album. Well, fantastic. Well, let's just get right into it. Here is John Hughes' interview with Christian Nesmith. Take it away, me. (laughs) Christian, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. It's a pleasure. I'm glad you're here. John, thank you so much. I'm so glad that uh, Rhino is including this independent release under the giant monkey umbrella. It seems to be getting a lot of good reaction. So the more I get to talk about it, the more fun I'm having. So well, we're recording this on Friday, which is release day. So you've got to be it excited. It is release day. Yeah. I posted about it and I'm getting a lot of great positive responses in my Facebook stuff. So yeah, I'm very, very happy and proud. So as the producer of this, how much input did you have on the song choice? And just in general, how were the song choices made? Well, there was, you know, a lot to choose from, obviously, but a lot of it could be whittled down pretty quickly. You know, some of Nez's songs are so iconic and so and approached so uh very much him like and there are certain stylings in his uh, melodies that that are they're him yeah <laughs> uh and and we decided early on that we did not want to do a karaoke record we did not want it to sound like we just stripped nez's vocals off and put mickey's on and so you know yodeling <laughs> some of the some of the stuff that 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 Nez does with all that sort of uh, head voice yodeling. So jo- uh, that, so Joanne was out. You know, Joanne, Rio, and and Silver Moon were all kind of sort of yeah. That, let's not go there mm-hmm. because we first of all we've got an, an incredible mine of things to tap as far as material is concerned, and secondly, those songs are so iconically Nez. There are plenty to choose from that that can be reimagined, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we definitely hit that. Once we, you know, kind of got it down to maybe 
30 or 40, Andrew and I, Andrew Sandoval and I sat down. <laughs> Andrew Sandoval's collection and archive is mind-blowing. The stuff that he's got sitting on hard drives, he just, <laughs> it's amazing. So he broke out some stuff that I'd, I'd never heard. And uh, we sort of whittled it down again to about 16 or 18. And then from there, I, I went and kind of just sat many a night into the wee hours with an acoustic guitar, sort of trying to find my way into new new approaches for this, you know, speeding things up, slowing things down, changing the time signature, obviously changing the key because Mickey's got a higher voice and letting certain instruments carry that new key and see where that would work. And it seemed to be very organic and certain songs were easier than others. Others like, I just don't know what to do with Circle Sky was yep. a real tough one because it's one chord. Yeah. Except for the break, it's basically just all one chord, which is a tribute to Nez's love of Bo Diddley, thank God. <laughs> yeah. But I knew I wanted to do it because it's just such a powerful tune. And then Cersei walks into my studio. Cersei, my wife and musical partner, who you all know and love, she just, like, out of the blue said, why don't you try making it an Indian raga? <laughs> yeah, I, I listened to it. It was very much uh, like it could have been from Head, the, the monkey's movie Head, that that one sequence. Sure. I mean, I have a love of Eastern and Middle Eastern music that goes beyond just, you know, my love of things that I've heard within a pop culture. I, I really, that's really. My, that's my only actually, reference point. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you start digging into uh, to some of the, the great Indian artists, obviously Ravi Shankar, yeah. um, a, a Bansuri player named Hari Prasad, and some of those, uh, you know, some of those Middle Eastern guys, they're just amazing. And I don't know why that music gets under my skin, but it really, really does. So to be able to take that song and reimagine it in that context was just so fun. And thank God to Cersei for dropping that in my lap. It's interesting, songs like that that are so iconic and different drum, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because the fans are kind of expecting, you know, yeah. you to cover those. But like you said, it's tough. You know, how do you do it without it being karaoke night? Well, you, you bring up different drum. Different drum is a great example of how to rethink it. Nez's approach to or Nez's thoughts on the way it has been done, particularly the way Linda did it. And this is not to be derogatory, but it never her version never lined up with the way he thought about the song because it's a lament. It's like, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to get this together. Right. You know, we're doomed. So we might as well just separate now. That's a sad song. And so he has had a, a number of, of versions live where he's done it slower and in a waltz and, and just sort of a, acknowledging that more uh, melancholy aspect to it. But at the heart of this song it's a major song. It's got a great major melody. And I knew that the popness of it was still there. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, how could I make it just as pop, but not quite as 
la-di-da with a harpsichord. I didn't want it qu quite so light and bouncy. So I just wanted to put, a, you know, acknowledge the pop aspect mm -hmm. of it, but put a little muscle behind it. And it came out really well. And then the one decorative instrument that, that I chose was harmonica, mm. which seemed to be sort of the best choice for a, a more immediate and guttural sort of instrument, you know, and, and it worked. I love it, and I'm really pleased that it came out the way it did because I was I was actually afraid maybe you would do it like a Billy Joe Hofstetter if you're familiar with that. I did not. I, I don't know that version. That's the no. character that Nez played on the Monkees that played different drum really fast on the guitar. Oh, oh yes, I do know that bit. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was uh, like, okay, uh, good. We didn't do that. That's good. Okay. Uh, yes, I never wanted to be humorous for the sake of it. If you look at Mickey's last solo record, which I think was Remember, yeah, yes, excellent album. It really, really is. And they took such a, a great approach to the production and that everything sounds great and it's recorded well and the performances are all spot on. And I wanted to make sure that I was making sure that Mickey was held in a, a serious singer's light. You know, he's got the chops. At 76 years old, he's sounding like he is when he was 25. It's you know? amazing. So it's amazing. You anticipated my next question is how did uh, you how did you approach Mickey's vocals? I, did you guys sit down and kind of go over stuff together or how did it happen? Well, knowing what he is capable of, you know, was being able to stand on stage with him for the last seven years or, you know, of most of the tours that we did monkeys wise. I knew what his voice was capable of. I don't know how many people know this, but he still sings all the original songs in all the original keys. Nothing is is keyed down to protect it because he's still got that range. Mm -hmm. And and so I was like, you know, let's take advantage of that. Let's really make sure that we are showing him off. And, you know, some songs that he really had to go for it and worked to get some of these performances. And some of them were just, a, you know, a breeze for him. But I wanted to make sure that he was seen in a light that shows him off as a serious singer, because he is. Yeah, very much so. And I think it comes through. Uh, he just, it, you can tell he has a, a familiarity with the catalog as well. In the phrasing, yeah, I mean he's been he's been privy to these songs for literally fifty years, yeah. you know. So, and he admittedly has also always been a fan of Nez's songwriting. There's tales of them singing those songs in the Frodus room, and <laughs> you know, just hanging out and just campfiring, and and Nez would break something out, and Mickey was like, "That's just a great tune. I want to. Can I sing that with you? <laughs> you know." And so his familiarity with these songs made it very easy for him to step in. But I also had to, because I took some different approaches with some of these songs, he had to sort of work his way into mm. a, a few of them as well. And to his credit, he did all the work necessary and showed up in spades and with bells on. So yeah, Let's talk about the recording of this. This was done during lockdown. 
It was. And well, we didn't even actually, I wasn't even approached till late July, I think, or, or, or the very beginning of August 2020 to do this. Fortunately, I'm sitting here now in my second bedroom, which is my studio. Mm. And uh, 80% of this record or more was recorded here in this room. And thankfully, we have technology that allows us to record rock and roll guitars and stuff virtually without big amps and things and they sound really good you know i played all the bass and all the guitars and got all the arrangements ready to go with virtual drums and i even uh, either i or cersei did some mock vocals mm -hmm. just uh, placeholders and then uh, we knew we needed real drums. And so we went into my favorite studio, a place here called Stag Street Studio in the San Fernando Valley. And we went and did a, a day and a half of drums. And then uh, we knew that we wanted real grand piano and real B3 organ. And so we booked one more day in there. And so Christopher Alice playing drums and Jim Cox playing all the stunt keyboards. <laughs> I played I, I played a lot of keyboards, but there was stuff that I could not do. And thank God for Jim because he just is slaying on some of the songs on this record. Well, let's talk about some of the musicians on the album. I think fans of both Nez and the Monkees will be familiar with a lot of the names. Well, again, Christopher Allison and uh, on drums, Jim Cox, who are both alumni in one way or another of Nez's world. You know, Christopher played with First National Band and Jim Cox has done all kinds of stuff with, with Nez uh, in television parts and other stuff. Let me see. Who else do we got? We we've got. There's a there's a collection of string players that I that I'm just so grateful that they played on this. Charlie Bishrot on a violin, who you can really hear showing off on Tomorrow and Me. Stone on cello, Ian Walker on upright bass, Alex Uren on harmonica, and uh, Alex Jules, uh -huh. who has been doing keyboards for First National Band and Mike and Mickey for the last couple of tours, uh, is guest spot, guest whistler on the opening <laughs> track. There uh, you go. You needed uh, someone to do not, it. Not, not to do, not to take away from his keyboard playing, but we had Jim Cox, and so. But I, I was glad to get him on, and that was actually a suggestion from Glenn Gretlin, head of Seven A Records, who said, "Do you know anybody you can whistle?" And I said, "Yeah, <laughs> Alex can whistle." I was like, "Great!" So I got him on a Carlisle Wheeling. God, who am I missing? Uh, Janine Ray Heller on Musical Saw. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you don't have enough Musical Saw in your life, this is the album you know, for you. Well, you can hear it on the opening of Tapioca Tundra. I wanted some something sort of like uh, 
day the earth stood still theremin type of thing. But I've known Janine for 20, 25 years uh, because we used to do sessions, uh, commercial sessions out of the same place. So to actually know a good musical saw player, (laughs) Janine, will you come play on this record? Some pros arrive, lose themselves and other times, and waiting. I don't know. I know I'm missing some. Uh, Pete Finney playing some pedal steel guitar. We had a nice collection of, of guests on this who mostly did their performances over the wire. That's you know, great. They they had their home home studio, did a few passes, sent it back to me, and I just flew it right in. So yeah having some of those ringers come in and play, they they really made the record. There are songs on here that a casual fan may not know, and there are some of the hidden gems on this mm-hmm. record. What is your favorite deep, deep cut on this? I think Keep On, because I was you know blessed to have sort of this arrangement that I came up with, with that drum beat and having the explosions of the band after the... Uh, consider the source line so you've got this great beautiful consider the source melody and the whole band answers with this kaboom really love the way that came out and props to jerry gaskill from king's x uh, i don't know if anybody knows that band yeah. but they're, they're a great band and good friends of mine jerry gaskill actually uh that's a beat that he played on a song called not just for the dead and if we don't steal our favorite stuff and move it into new <laughs> applications then we're not doing our job as musicians so that's his drum beat and i stole it straight out talent borrows genius steals that's That's right that's right uh so i have to ask what Mm. what was nez's reaction to the album when he heard it well understandably it took him a a few uh listens to find his way into it i think that he you know these are his babies yeah and he's thought about them in his own way as the creator of these songs for decades literally and to have them have these songs also have a nostalgia to them and a certain amount of memory to them in their creation working with the first national band and red roads and and having that be such a huge part of the way they were produced it's got to be integral as to the way he thinks about these songs so to hear the way that i put them up which are so drastically mm-hmm. different i'm sure there was a, an initial shock but then he called me like okay son i've listened to it about three or four times Good job. You know, so (laughs) after the initial shock, I think that he's really enjoying it and has said so. That's excellent. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm also excited that you are going back out on the road this fall with everyone. Oh, man. 
I can't believe that we're actually doing it. Finally, you know, we had these dates sitting there for a year and a half and pushing them back and pushing them back. And thank God for the brilliant genius scientists who've come up with a with a vaccine for the things that we that we're suffering from these days so that we can all get back together and hang out and play music and do the things that we love. So I'm really excited. For the people that don't know, it is The Monkees Present, The Mike and Mickey Show, picking up where they left off two years ago. And uh, essentially what we're going to be doing, which is what we intended to do a year and a half ago, is the show that is represented on the Mike and Mickey live album released by Rhino Records. And uh, <laughs> Yes, please buy it uh, now. <laughs> And mixed by Christian Nesmith. Exactly. And uh, and, uh, and thank you, Rhino Records, for allowing me to do that because it was uh, it was certainly a labor of love and came out really good. So we're going to go out and essentially do that show because we only got to do that show for maybe what 10, 20 shows total. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect there's going to be a lot of set changes because you guys didn't even get a chance to to really get into a groove by the time no, lockdown no, happened. No, we sure didn't. So so to be able to take that out there and uh, you know what may be a last hurrah for these guys. We're going to do it full tilt and uh, really excited to do that. So yeah, coming up in the September through November, we got what, 41 shows. <laughs> I, will, I will remind everyone the tickets are, you hear this all the time, but it's true. The tickets are going fast. Several shows they really are. are yeah. yeah. One venue is like three quarters full now and we're months away from yeah. the shows. So. so this is going to be people's last chance possibly to see these guys. And I think people are excited to see them. Not excited that it's the last time, but I think they feel that urgency. Yeah. And I, you know, I never like to say, you know, the farewell tour or they're, they're, you know, they're just tired of it or they can't do it anymore. Right. It's not, it's not that. I, I think uh, uh, you, you never want to say never, but if this is, you know, these two gentlemen who have been doing this stuff for literally seven decades, mm -hmm. <laughs> if they decide to hang it up, I can't blame them, you know? So thank you for giving us the gifts that they have given us. I agree a thousand percent. And Christian, thanks so much for joining us today. Much success on both the Dolan Sings Nesmith album and the upcoming Mike and Mickey tour. Uh, coming from you, John, I can't, uh, I'm just so thrilled and thankful and grateful. And also the reactions that we've, we've been getting thus far to not only Dolan Sings Nesmith, but also Mike and Mickey Live. I'm just really grateful and blessed to be part of the whole crew. Uh, and I'm glad that I'm able to co contribute some uh, good work. So excellent work. Excellent work. Don't sell yourself thank short. You, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Okay. Folks, be sure to check out Dolan Sings Nesmith wherever you get your music, and also have a look at the upcoming Monkeys Farewell Tour dates at monkeys.com. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss the next Rhino podcast. Producer for Rhino Entertainment, John Hughes. Produced for Rhino Entertainment by Rich Mayhem Promotions. All rights reserved.